I am so excited about getting to spend the next 45 minutes with you. Ah, look at the nervous laughter. Like, wait, what? 45? Oh, man. If you haven't noticed by the students involved in the services today, today is the first of two student ministry Sundays. And it's either we're just getting good at this or Pastor Steve's on sabbatical. I don't know which one it is. But we so appreciate you having us. Not that you had a whole lot of choice, but thank you. Um, you know, we just love uh, being able to do what Paul said to Timothy, which is set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. Let me pray. God, I just thank you so much for this morning. And God, what you want to do in the hearts and lives here today. God, I thank you that you have not called us to go halfway, but to go all in. And God, I pray that your spirit would just now speak uh, through me. And God, I pray that your spirit would then speak to the hearts of those that need to hear. God, that they would be able to see and distinguish what is true. And God, I just, I pray that above all things, you're just glorified by this morning. Because it is for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a guy walks into a five-star French restaurant. He looks at the menu. He, he, he orders a meal. When it comes, he doesn't even take a bite. After a while, the waiter comes over and says, uh, Monsieur, uh, is there something wrong with the food? The guy's like, yeah, it tastes terrible. The waiter looks at the guy, looks at his plate of untouched food and says, but Monsieur, you didn't even take a bite. And the man says, hey, don't argue with me. I know my own stomach. I know my own taste buds, Right? And uh, after that, the man goes out, he goes down the street to this Mexican restaurant that his friends have been raving about, and he once again looks at the menu, orders a meal, and once again doesn't even touch it. And uh, after a while, the waiter comes over and says, Senor, is there a problem with the food? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's not filling me up, right? And, and the waiter looks at the guy, looks at his untouched plate of food, and says, but Senor, you haven't even taken a bite. So I was like, yeah, you don't argue with me. I, I, know, I know what I know here, right? This is, my, this is my body. I get it, right? And so then he goes down the street again to this local, uh, uh, this health food store that got a great write-up in the local paper. And so he goes in there, he looks at the menu, he orders a meal, and once again doesn't touch a bite. And the waiter comes over and says, excuse me, sir, is there a problem with the food? And it's like, yeah, it's not making me any healthier. And, and the guy looks at the man looks at his untouched food and says, uh, but sir, you haven't eaten anything, right? And the guy's like, hey, don't argue with me. I know my own body. And he storms out, and he's, as he's going out, he grumbles to himself. I don't know what all the hype is about these restaurants. They're all terrible, and I'm still hungry. So that wasn't a very good story. <laughs> but what's tragic is how similar that is so often how people approach faith. I mean, think, think about it for a minute. Think about that guy. He went to a restaurant. He sat down. He, he ordered the food, probably even paid good money for it, and yet he didn't do the one thing that would have filled him up, the one thing that would have made him feel better, the one thing that would have satisfied. He never picked up his fork and actually ate the food. He wasn't all in. I know it's a silly analogy, but I know that I have done this in, in my life, and I venture to say that probably you have too. Or maybe you have heard uh, God speak to you through the word of God, through, through the Holy Spirit, about how you need to change, what you need to do in your life in order to experience the fullness that God has for you, and yet you've done nothing. Believe me. 
Believe me when I say I've made this mistake times before, and maybe you are one of these people who are like, well, hey, I, I did take a few bites. I just stopped before I really reaped the full benefit. But if, if that's us, we can be, uh, the danger is we can be like this guy in the restaurant where we, we leave the restaurant feeling empty, we blame the restaurant, and then we go looking somewhere else. This morning, I want to look at a beautiful passage from Colossians 3, where Christ, um, and if, so if you would, go ahead and navigate there, please, uh, in, your, in your Bibles, your devices, um, and we're going to see what this passage can teach us about a halfway faith and how God desires so much more for us, how we can be all in. Starting off in verse one. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. For those of us that know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, there's some awesomeness here in these verses for us. Um, here, here's, like the, here's one. That our sinful selves have been put to death. Our dead selves have been killed. A few years back, we had a student ministry retreat uh, where the theme was ex-zombie. Because right? here's the reality. For every human being, without exception, before they come to know Jesus, they are the walking dead. They're alive physically, walking around, doing life, yet dead spiritually in their transgressions and their sins. But in Jesus, our old selves, our dead selves are put to death. We also see in, in this passage that we were raised with Christ We are given new life. We are new creations, given the ability through God's grace to be who God has created us in him to be. We also see here that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. This is a security and satisfaction kind of thing. We are hidden with with Christ, and this tells us, as it also does in Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. It's a beautiful thing that we are hidden with Christ and there's nothing that can snag us away from him. Life is Christ. We see here that that life is Christ, Christ is life. When we come to Jesus, we find life both now and forever. It's Jesus. He's now the one that we come alive to. Like a small kid comes alive when he talks about his favorite toy, or an engaged person comes alive when they see their fiance. So we come alive with anything in regards to Jesus because he is our life. He's where we found life. Here's the thing. There are so many who have died to sin, been raised with Christ, have life in Christ, and yet they walk around and live like They're dead people. They've gone halfway. They haven't allowed their faith in Christ to penetrate every single part of who they are. And there are dangers that go along with this, with having a halfway faith. And here's the first one. We get confused and faith sick. I see it all the time. And and students and adults those that walk into this place and they do the whole church scene, you know, they, they, they listen well, they sing loud, maybe they raise their hands a little bit, right? And, and uh, you know, they, they can talk to talk. They even know a lot of the Bible, right? And they do this. And, but yet when they leave this place, 
when they, when they uh, get away from other Christ followers, they change, tend to change, to blend in with whoever, whoever they are around. They become these situational or environmental chameleons. It's kind of like having two favorite drinks. Thank you. All right. So we got lemonade and chocolate milk. They're both pretty good. Let me, let me get these here. Thirsty, anyone? Mm, lemonade's really good. But I also love me some chocolate milk, too. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's good, right? And here's the thing. So lemonade, this lemonade is kind of like um, our, our relationship with God, right? And this is like our, our new life in Christ. It's setting our our minds and things above, it quenches our, the, the, the thirst that we have, right? It's sweet to the taste, and, and this is our life with Jesus, right? But the reality is, as long as we're on this earth, there is a battle that is taking place, and we have this continual struggle and pull and draw to the things of this world, to be like we were before, to be like everybody else around us and just fit in, and so we drink the chocolate milk. And here, they both, you know, they, bo- they both taste good. I mean, you can believe me. <laughs> I made hug of milk. <laughs> Lemonade. <sighs> Chug of milk. Can I tell you, it gets pretty nasty after a while. <laughs> None of those taste as good as they did when I first started. They both begin to have this nasty taste, right? See, when we go back and forth, like living for God, living for ourselves, living for God, living ourselves, it just gets growth. Gross. that. <laughs> Actually, that lemonade last, not the chocolate milk. Um, gets gross. You know, it's not tasting as good as they did before. And eventually, you have to pick one. You can't do both forever. You're going to get sick of the taste. And it's the same of our relationship with God. If we're like Jesus, the world, Jesus, the world, eventually, it just doesn't work. We become faith sick. And don't worry if I get sick, I'll let you people in the front know. (laughs) And as you can see, as you can imagine, because if you don't know this, lemonade makes milk curdle, you know, spoil, right? And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. If we try to do God and the world Jesus and the world, eventually it just makes us, as you can imagine, gross, sick, and confused. Right? You begin to wonder why you're not experiencing the power of God in your life. You begin to wonder why, uh, why worship is dry, because I can tell you it has nothing to do with what happened up here on stage, because that was off the hook, right? It has nothing to do with that. And you wonder, you know, your joy, you just see your joy just immediately going away, especially if life gets difficult. And too often I see those that conclude that, you know what, I, I've tried Jesus, yet I'm faith sick, and so I, God just must not be real. But really, this has nothing to do with who God is or what God wants to do in our lives. But it has, has to do with the fact that they have segmented their life and have done, they're doing the both double-fisted thing and they're trying to drink in both the world and Jesus and it's made them sick. And it's amazing how we trust Jesus for our salvation and yet we don't trust him with our lives. 
The second danger that we see with this, with living a halfway faith life, is that we stink. We stink. I mean, you're like, speak for yourself. Um, but what happens with dead things? Inevitably, they begin to stink. It's kind of like a room full of middle school boys that are sweaty, that haven't discovered deodorant yet. It's repulsive. You want to get out, away from that as quickly as you can. But when we who call ourselves Christ followers, um, when, we, um, when people see, people who don't know Jesus, when they don't see any difference between us and them, when they don't, when, and actually, even worse, maybe they see us not living up to what they think the standard for Christians should be, we stink. They don't want anything to do with us. That's why I think Brennan Manning is quoted as saying, the single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. See, we have to remember that at times the only gospel anyone will see or hear is what we live out and what they see in our lives. You are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithful or true. Just what is the gospel according to you? See, a danger in us living a halfway faith life is that people don't see the completed, the continued work of God's grace in our lives. They don't see uh, how, how Jesus has changed us, and so they don't have any interest in him. And the third danger of a halfway faith life is that we miss out on full life. One thing I don't want to portray this morning is that um, a halfway faith life always comes with bad moral choices because that's not always the case. And so many times people try to measure how they're doing spiritually by if they're screwing up or not. But that's not always accurate because sometimes it's not, a halfway faith is not marked by uh, what we do that's a problem, but it's halfway faith is what we don't do, what we're not doing. Because see, we have this waffle-type mentality, and yes, I said waffle, right? Those little compartments, right? And we have, you know, we have, we have work and school and friends and family and, and sports and play and all these different things, and then for so many, they just allow God and faith to be one of those compartments, and that's never how our relationship with God was meant to be, one part of our life. It's meant to be the syrup, the, the whipped cream that flows over into all parts of our lives, um, filling us up, uh, changing and influencing the taste and texture of everything. Because as we already saw, Christ is life. Life is Christ. So how do we go all in? How do we do that? How do we combat this halfway faith life? We see here in Colossians two things. The first one's this. We have to put to death, put off. We have to put to death, put off. Continuing in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. When we set our mind on things above, on Christ, and not on the things of this world, we, in Christ we put to death the things that don't line up with who God wants us to be, which is like Jesus. God tells us to be holy 
as he is holy. And we read in Galatians 5.24 that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, what do we know about crucifixion? We know, we know that it is violent, and we know that it is permanent. It is certain, right? There is no part way, maybe you might die if you get crucified. If you get crucified, you're dead. And what Paul is telling us here is we need to put to death the things in our lives that's keeping us from who God is calling us to be. But so often, whether, uh, when it comes to a sin area in our life, uh, whether it's action or attitude, we try to manage our sin instead of killing it. We think, oh, I'll just I'll pray hard enough so I'll stop doing this. I'll, I'll just be strong enough. I'll will it away, right? Um, I'll just put enough safeguards in place to protect myself. But see, the problem with that is that when, when there is a serious sin in our life, we have to take strong and certain action to kill it. I have met too many young guys that I've sat face to face with and looked into their eyes as, and they love Jesus and, and they're, they're sobbing in front of me telling me how they can't beat this addiction to pornography. They can't. And, and so many times they've been trying to, they've done all these things that we talked, they, you know, they, they've tried to be strong, they try to get people to pray for them, they, they, they're praying themselves, they've got accountability but yet it's not working. And then we need, when we face sin like that, we have to take strong and certain action to kill it. And let's say that that battle is pornography on your phone or your tablet. Well, can I tell you? Get rid of them. Go archaic. Go flip phone, right? Uh, right? Do it. I know some people over here that have one of those, right? And um, do that, right? If you have a tablet, donate it to a ministry or organization. Get rid of it. Or maybe it's not pornography at all. Maybe it's something else, just an unhealthy relationship. It doesn't matter what your issue is, but it's amazing how when it comes to relationships or if it comes to things like uh, devices, we come up with all these reasons why we can't do it. And so instead, we settle to manage. I'll just try to make it work. I'll just try this to manage my sin, when instead, we need to put it to death. But there's another phrase used here in Colossians 3, is put off the old self with its practices. Living the life that God has for us comes with ridding ourselves of the things that look like our old selves, that line up with what the world, with the world, with our old dead selves. God is calling us to put off. Uh, it's kind of like this, this changing of your clothes, you know? It's like taking off, right? We're supposed to take off a worldly perspective, taking, take off what the world says is most important, what the world says, uh, what world values. Take off a worldly, uh, the, the worldly patterns we tend to follow and instead put on. And that's the second thing that we see here in Colossians 3 is to put on. Continuing in verse 9. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self with its being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When something is half, it's not whole. Revolutionary, I know. But here's the thing. It's when something is half, it's not what it was supposed to be. It's not what it's meant to be. And a halfway faith is not what God designs for us to have. And we see here his plan, God's plan for us and how he's trying to make us all in and make us whole. We see here three things that, that come straight from him. We see that we are, we are chosen and we are loved um, and, and that we are holy. Those are things that Jesus has done for us. Those are givens for us if we know him. It's a work that God has done fully for us. We are chosen by him to be part of his family. And let me just say this. We're, when, when we come to know Jesus, we are adopted into his family. We become his kids. Before that, we were not his kids. We were his creations, made his image that he loved dearly, died for. But we become his kids when we place our faith and trust in Jesus. We also know that we are loved, and nothing that you do can ever make him love you more or make you love him less, make, you, make him love you less. And we're holy. may not always look like it. In fact, if we're honest, we don't look like it very often. But the amazing thing is, through the completed work of Jesus, we are made holy. We are positionally holy. We're declared holy, whether or not we act like it yet. And yet is the key word here. Because as we put off the old self and put on the new self, there is a sanctifying work that takes place through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. So what verse 10 was talking about here was talking about uh, being renewed in knowledge. And because this, this phrase, being renewed, carries an idea of constant renewal. It is the renewing of our mind, the transforming of our minds that we read about in Romans 12. It's changing the way that we think, the way that we view God, the way that we view ourselves, the way that we world, view the world around us to line it up with who and what God says. And what God is doing in our lives as we take off the old and put on the new is he's making us step by step more like Jesus. When you're all in, it doesn't mean that you've now arrived. It doesn't mean that you've, you don't struggle with things anymore because if that was the case, none of us would be all in, right? And instead, what it does mean is that you've moved from being halfway and you're now allowing God each day to remove from within you that looks like, what looks like the world and replacing it with Jesus so that Jesus fills every aspect of who you are in a way that transforms and brings the fullness of life that he promises for us. And as Philippians, as Paul says in Philippians, in regards to him and his pursuit of Jesus, he says, hey, not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And when we're pressing on in this, in our faith, we know that we're all in. We know we're all in when we seek God in his word, we seek him in prayer, and we allow him to show us things that just need to go and things that we need to put on, and we allow him to do that work in our lives, no matter how close or how far we are from him. That's when we're all in. But see, here's the thing. This whole conversation started with an assumed premise this morning. Right off in the beginning of Colossians, says, if you've been raised with Christ. See, this starts off 
with a question of, do you know Jesus? And you know, it shouldn't be this way, but there's a lot of confusion when people think about, do I know Jesus? There's a question I often ask the students, and it's this. If you were to die today, and you were to stand before God, and he were to ask you, why? Why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Would you say, well, well, God, I, I go to this church, or I've, you know, I've, here are the good things that I've done. Um, you know, here, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I've, you know, here are these steps that I, I've taken. Would you say, well, God, I've just always been a Christian my entire life. I just all I know. What if I told you that according to the Bible, according to Scripture, none of those things will get you to heaven? What if I told you none of those things would get you the new life that Jesus promises? Going to church doesn't get you and I to God. And you're not born into Christianity. The Bible talks about with the fact that we are born with a sinful nature separated from a holy God. And please, don't be fooled in thinking and hoping that maybe you can somehow have your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. That you can somehow tip the scales in your favor because here's the thing, there are no scales, there never have been any scales. Because you and I, even on our best day, we still fall miserably short of the perfect standard of a holy and righteous God. If you're banking on on what you do, you know, I've got baptized, I go to church, I do all these things, I don't do these things. If you're banking on that to get to heaven, you never will. You can't get there on your own merit. But if you're here this morning and you're kind of like, probably quietly because you don't want anybody to know. You're like kind of freaking out. You're like, all right, well, how do I get to heaven? I remember asking this to some boys and they were like, well, then how the, and they use choice words, do I get to heaven, right? And, and I said, let me tell you, here's the good news. The good news is this. Jesus did what you and I never could. Being fully God as the son of God and yet fully man, Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect life. He was condemned to die as an innocent man. And taking our sins, he nailed them to the cross and he died. But he didn't stay dead because if that was the case, that's where the story would end. Three days later, Jesus rose again, declaring victory over sin, declaring victory over death, declaring that we can have life if we trust in him. All you and I have to do this morning at some point in our lives is we need to make the decision that we realize we can't do it ourselves. We just have to trust in him who already did it for us. That's it. All we have to do is accept the free gift of salvation that he's offering us in Jesus. And then we just go all in and watch and enjoy as God makes us step by step more and more like Jesus, the one who made it all possible. If God is working on your heart, please don't leave this place today without doing business with God first.